Welcome to the Double Espresso Show. My name is Rasmus Soymark. I'm the CEO and founder of SBC, and I am the host of the Double Espresso Show. Today we have episode number two, which is about player protection, the situation in Europe, and building a sustainable framework in North America. We'll be taking a closer look at the industry status quo, discuss with our guests what role player protection plays in the greater context of a responsible entertainment industry. Just to remind all of you that the Double Espresso Show focuses on expert advice and key information from leading industry experts in an interview with me. The aim of the show is to give industry stakeholders an educated view of what's going on across our industry and what issues and opportunities exist now and in the future. In the virtual studio today, I have the luxury of sharing no less than three double espressos with my three awesome guests. Martin Lichka, he is the Senior Vice President of Americas, Regulatory Affairs and Responsible Gambling at Intain. Then you have Paul Buck, he is the CEO of Epic Risk Management. You have Liv Biesemans, she is the Group Deputy General Counsel at Kindred Group. But before we kick off, the interviews allow me to share a few views on problem gambling and player protection, which we'll be addressing today. So you'll have to bear with me and listen to me for a few minutes before we move on to the guests. Let's just have a quick uh, espresso. Cheers. So um, most, if not all of us would like to work in a sustainable and awesome betting and gaming industry that is based on responsible entertainment. But what exactly does that mean? What is it? So to work with responsible entertainment, there needs to be a fundamental understanding of safer gambling, problem gambling, and player protection. I mean, for instance, we already consider ourselves as an entertainment industry, right? I mean, like many other industries, but we cannot really use the word responsible if we ignore the inherent problems that gambling is causing to some people. Personally, I have enjoyed sports betting as a form of responsible entertainment for many years. In fact, I wrote my master's degree dissertation about gambling in a contemporary society based on interviewing no fewer than 20 sports bettors about their sports betting behavior and motivations for engaging in, in, in sports betting. 175 pages, I have 500 into pages with data about these interviews to use for this study. After that, I contributed to numerous publications around sports betting and player motivations. And I even had a book contracted, believe it or not, with a publishing house to explore motivations of sports bettors even further. This is still in the works, been for many years, been very busy with work, but I'm still very keen on getting it done one day. If you take a look at the UK and most European countries, it's very clear that we're playing catch up on safer gambling. We've been seemingly unprepared for a problem that has grown in scale ever since the online betting and gaming boom. Now, if we then jump on to the US, that on the other hand, we have a lot of states regulating sports betting and iGaming as we speak. I mean, they don't really have an excuse of being ignorant about the problem. They only have to look across the Atlantic and see how it's been in Europe. Now, we have the AGA, the American Gaming Association. They've been running have a game plan, bet responsible. This is a sports betting player education program, 
which has the support of the likes of NHL, NASCAR, the PGA Tour, etc. It's obviously a positive that the AGA is trying to get on the front foot in the early days of legal sports betting. But we've seen similar industry campaigns, for instance, in the UK, when the fund stops, stop. These ads haven't really had the impact we hoped uh, for them to have. Now, before we move on to the interviews, uh, just a couple of examples of what I find interesting about uh, some of the, the issues we still face from time to time, as well as some of the rather interesting opportunities around the entertainment side. I don't know if I would guess most of you probably watched the, the awesome Netflix show, The Last Dance, uh, which is about Michael Jordan's life and career. Several episodes of that show actually talked about Michael Jordan's love and passion for high-stake gambling and how entertaining it was for him. The same goes for likes of Phil Mickelson, Floyd Mayweather, other sports celebrities. Now, there's no doubt that gambling or, or the betting and gaming industry is very entertaining and it's fun. But it all comes down to the understanding of one's limits uh, and available funds, etc. Not everyone has the necessary means and the will to say no or, or stop when the fun stops. Another example, which was a bit crazy in my view, was that in Tennessee, you had the, the lender of high-risk flex loans. They got approved to simultaneously serve as a store where you could deposit gambling funds into the company's affiliate sportsbook, which was Action 24-7. I mean, that's not the smartest move towards uh, vulnerable uh, sports bettors, I would say. So uh, we also have another an example has been around for, for quite a few years, and that is the fact that we have uh, offshore operators. Uh, we, we see they continue to be a pressure on especially regulated European markets by offering better odds, better lines, better bonuses. And it just means that for the sports bettors have opportunities that can make it slightly difficult to stay competitive as a regulated licensed uh, operator, which means also increased cost on taxes and other uh, costs that are keeps being imposed on them makes it very difficult to operate uh, in, in, in a very smart and responsible way. Anyway, enough about this, enough about me talking. I think now it's time to turn to our guests. So Martin, Lücke, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your work with problem gambling and player protection? Aras, first of all, thanks for having me, and I'm delighted that I can be sharing an espresso with you. Not to be forgotten, my friend. Cheers. My name is indeed Martin Lechka. I'm the Senior Vice President for American Regulator FS and Responsible Gambling for the Entain Group. A dubiously long, very glamorous title. That means that I look after, amongst others, and that's relevant for this chat, responsible gambling projects that Entain has been rolling out at the other end of the pond in the United States. Okay, let's uh, jump to the questions here. I would like to ask you, how do you measure the progress in Europe when it comes to tackling gambling? And how far are we from a sustainable entertainment industry? Let me kick the answer off by arguing that the industry has already gone a long way. We are in a completely different position than we would have been even three, four years ago. And ultimately, the success will be measured by what you've just alluded to, i.e. the long-term sustainability of this industry. And to my mind, what's crucial in that regard is the fact that our industry allows the 98-99% of our customers that can and know how to gamble sensibly and responsibly 
to enjoy themselves while catering for those who are not in that position. And by catering to the needs of those people, because we wouldn't want for these guys to be our customers, but at the same time, there is an onus on the industry to, to help them by means of education, if need be, by means of treatment. As an industry, we have invested an awful lot, both finance, but also people and crucial and critically technology-wise, into making sure that customers can gamble responsibly. So to my mind, the ultimate measure of success will be the long-term sustainability of this market, markets that are not populated by gambling addicts, but at the same time with the industry helping prevent by means of early detection gambling addiction from arising and catering to the needs, including on the treatment side of things, if required, that uh, these people might have. That's, that's very interesting, Martin. If you don't mind, I'll jump on to, uh, to the next question then. And I would like to ask you, what measures would you like to see in place across the regulated US states to reduce the risk of harm to players? And at the same time, ensure that a sustainable framework is created. In my view, the US has a true opportunity to become the front runner when it comes to responsible gambling measures. And in an ideal world, and I reckon some people would have heard it from me before, so apologies for potentially sounding like a broken record. This, uh, In an ideal world, it would be working as a two-way traffic. Lessons, clearly there are lessons to be learned from what the industry has been through in the UK as well as Europe. And at the same time, we are all, in particular the operators, that, if you will, just landed on the American shores. We are also learning the American way of doing things. I think what's critical to all this is laying very, very strong and robust foundations. And by that, I don't only mean educations, the programs that the likes of Antain and others have been launching in the last couple of years in the United States, but also informing our customers and others properly about what sports betting is, how it actually works, and also about the risks and some of the social ills that are associated with it both on the operator's websites, but also by other means, educational educational campaigns, uh, stepping out our efforts on the research side, side of things, supporting, including financially, the, it would appear, ever so struggling helplines that already exist. And as I've already pointed out, also introduce the cutting-edge technology that we have as an industry into this space so that we can help customers ultimately help themselves. And all this, and this will be my final point in the answer to your question, all this needs to be reflected in both the regulation, but ultimately also self-regulation. Because to my mind, to achieve the ultimate goal of long-term sustainability of this market leads through increasing the applicable responsible gambling standards to the level that would allow the industry to continue servicing the customers while Delhi protecting them. Okay, interesting. Let me jump on to the next question, which is 
which US state regulators are actively engaging on the issue and how different is the approach to the European counterparts? Let me first of all pick up the very end of your question because the, the biggest difference from the regulatory perspective is the fact that most, if not pretty much all by now, European markets are largely much more mature than most of the US markets with the likes of Nevada and New Jersey being the, the key exceptions from that rule. Having said that, all the US regulators and the newly regulated markets have been catching up very quickly. So to answer your question, they are all engaged with matters that relate to consumer protection. Because don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of work to be done. But uh, to give you a couple of examples, for example, Indiana's introduced its own responsible gambling levy, if you will, i.e. a dedicated amount of operators' revenue that is earmarked for responsible gambling purposes. The likes of New Jersey and the other regulators that has, or that rather have, accumulated more experience with re regulating either internet gaming or sports betting, they are inevitably or they will inevitably start looking into the use of digital technology for early detection purposes. So there already has been a movement in the space. I wouldn't call it a revolution just yet, but with the support from within the industry and ultimately also from within the customer community or even the public at large, because these days this is arguably what all our customers want. They do want to work with ethical businesses and in our case that ethos that's meant to be permeating our business objectives and I would strongly suggest that this is definitely Antain's case is very much linked with the themes that I've already alluded to, i.e. sustainability, responsibility, doing things in the right way. For example, also, though I wouldn't want to be going off tangent, but also on the environment side of things. So there's this whole package or conglomerate of principles that need to be reflected into how we will be doing business around the world, but in particular in the United States. And that, as I've already suggested, needs to be reflected both the regulation as the fundamentum for all this, but also ultimately self-regulation both across the industry, but also inside the individual operator organizations. Thanks a lot. Very, very interesting view, Hans Martin. I would say that I have one question remaining for you. The question is, in a few words, what is your vision of a responsible entertainment industry? And is this what we should all strive for? And I think just you know, even though that was a question, I would like to say, obviously, TVC rebranded to Entain, which kind of is entertainment, right? So very interesting question for you, I think. Absolutely. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to elaborate on this issue a little bit while we have the time to to do it. And I would suggest that there are a couple of critical principles Antain has committed to start taking all its business from fully domestically regulated jurisdictions by the end of 2023. And I would suggest that that will ultimately help with the opposite side or the flip side of this particular coin. And that is the black market, which I would strongly suggest the authorities together with the industry, the license industry, 
need to be clamping down on because I would see that as what every license operator or the whole license community in uh, every single jurisdiction that uh, we will have or individual operators will have chosen to enter. This is what we should get in return for our commitment and it's a logical commitment, it's a no-brainer, don't get me wrong, commitment to the applicable regulatory standards plus self-regulation going beyond that. So that is the starting point. And then to make sure that we do, and as I've already said, I truly believe that we are on a, on a, on a, the right track to get there in the foreseeable future, and we're more than, than halfway there when it comes to the sustainable entertainment industry, the basics that uh, are associated with operators being licensed, planned by the book, going beyond the letter of the law in the sense of introducing self-regulation or going beyond the individual compliance requirements, saying or perceiving responsible gambling as more than just a compliance exercise. So on top of all this, on top of the fundamentum, as I've called it, educating people about sports betting, responsible gambling, about sports integrity, about the processes that lie behind what we do is critically important to our becoming a sustainable entertainment industry in the long run. But the other critical element to, in my view, as and I've already alluded to it a couple of times, but let me expand on it a little bit, is the interplay between the use of technology by means of having gathered data about customer behavior and putting the data to the right use, i.e. protecting customers. These are the, the robots, the terminators. This is the super modern technology that can help us all achieve the goal you have alluded to. But at the same time, I would very strongly argue and support of the fact that all this mustn't become too robotic, so to speak. So there's a lot of wiggle room for what I would call human touch. And to my mind, the interplay of all these factors, in particular, how we can be using technology in combination with our human resources will mandate the future of this industry. A number of programs are already already being launched. Entain, for example, has announced its efforts to launch an advanced responsibility and care program that will revolve around these principles and will be the technological embodiment of our sustainability charter of the of the strategic principles that uh, we have committed to so this will be my vision both american vision but also worldwide vision of how we can achieve the ultimate goal of becoming a sustainable entertainment industry that focuses on true entertainment while doing everything in our power to protect our customers from harm that in some cases might come their way. So if we can do everything in our power to 
prevent that and if need be, be be part of the treatment path then I would suggest that that will also truly help us to achieve this goal and it will help the industry to a long-term successful existence because in my view the critical point and uh, that would be my message that I would like to leave with you and also ultimately of course the audience of this podcast is that doing good gambling business means doing good responsible gambling doing good sports integrity not even good excellent these two sides of our industry they're not mutually exclusive to achieve the goal that we've been talking about on on this podcast today to achieve it in my view these two principles i.e. the if you will business or economic side of what we do and the sustainability or responsible side needs to marry and they will need to go hand in hand that in my view is the only way how the ultimate goal that you've been alluding to can be achieved i think we agree from from also what you said is it's a very complex issue and uh problem so to say that you you need to figure out the best way of dealing with it because it's not just something that thinking you can say no to all gambling is going to solve the problem of all gambling going away it's just going to turn into more sort of the black market and there'll be other issues to deal with bigger issues um, I think what you shared today has been very enlightening uh, very informative so I really appreciate that Martin and thank you for joining me here at the Double Espresso show Before we kick off this interview with you, Paul, can you tell me a little bit, a little bit more about yourself and uh, your work with uh, problem gambling and player protection? Certainly, Raz. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, basically, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Epic Risk Management. Uh, we specialize in the prevention of gambling-related harm. Uh, and we work in the sectors where most harms statistically and evidentially exist. So that would be financial services, education with kids, criminal justice, armed forces, uh, elite sport, and of course, the gambling industry itself. So uh, we are very much in that prevention sphere, start stopping people getting to the edge of a cliff. So my background was in financial services. I was a, um, a financial advisor. Um, and a divisional manager of Europe's largest bank, but I also suffered a decade-long addiction, a pathological gambling addiction, if you want to call it that, and that was really the spark for setting Epic up. That's, uh, thanks for sharing, Paul. Okay, let's jump on to the questions here. We have four questions for you today, and I would like to start with, how do you measure the progress in Europe when it comes to tackling problem gambling, and how far are we from being a sustainable entertainment industry? Okay, thank, thanks, Raz. I think it's a big question to start, and it's also a really difficult one to answer. I think you have to measure it by how many people are suffering direct or, or indirect gambling-related harm. And the truth is, we don't really have any comprehensive prevalence surveys, either in the UK or anywhere in Europe. So the reality is that we probably don't know um, how to, 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 to really measure the, the, the levels of problem gambling. And I think that would probably be a great starting block. Uh, to be able to answer the question, it's probably the thing that's missing the most. What 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 level of problems do we actually have? Um, 
what I would say, there's definitely more focus on problem gambling than there used to be. Um, so if you look at the scrutiny, uh, particularly in, in the UK at the moment, I think with the Gambling Act review, there's, there's, there's great scrutiny from a media, um, political and public scrutiny. Um, and perhaps that's because maybe self-regulation hasn't worked in every instance in every country um, as, as well as it could have done. But, but I think there will be some changes because of that. But what I would also say, there's more focus on problem gambling from the operators themselves. I think it's wrong to say that there's been no progress. I think, you know, if you look five years ago or more, that it wasn't really something that was spoken about. And I think that's something that we're seeing a little bit in the US at the moment. And now I think if you look at certainly the major bigger operators, if you like, the regulated operators, there is definitely more focus on things like problem gambling, the use of technology, increasing the training and effectiveness of their teams. And it's not perfect in every operator in every country. It's not perfect in every operator in the UK, but it is definitely something that is more focused on than it certainly was five years ago. And that has to be a positive thing. But again, how far are we from being a sustainable entertainment industry? There's probably still too many people suffering gambling-related harm than there should be. For us, one person suffering it would be one too many, but there's, there's probably well, there is a lot more than that. So I think whilst there's a lot of uh, improvements, um, from, there's a lot more scrutiny. I think there is still more work to do, but but definitely on the right track in, with, with, with many of the operators and and things like the gambling app review in the UK, the new regulations in the Netherlands. You know, these will kind of bring gambling into the digital age. Uh, but ultimately, the goal must be that we get zero dollars or zero pounds from from people who are suffering gambling problems. Yeah, no, I agree. And <clears throat> as I spoke to Martin about as well, it's it's a complex issue, right? It's gambling will always be here. It's just a matter of how we make it as responsible and sustainable in, in, in the best possible way. We can come back to that later as well, Paul. Um, but thanks for, for sharing your, your view here. Um, I'd like to go on to question number two, which is uh, what measures would you like to see in place across the regulated U.S. states to reduce the risk of harm to players and at the same time ensure that a sustainable framework is created? Okay, I, th I think the thing to, to start with this, Raz, in my eyes, is that this is a huge, huge opportunity uh, for the U.S. to have the largest and most successful gambling industry anywhere in the world. Uh, that's, that's ever been. Um, however, I also think there is a danger of um, killing the goose that laid the golden egg, if you like, uh, because it doesn't at the moment, you know, if they don't take player protection and harm prevention and responsible gambling more seriously or seriously from the start, then it will fail. And it will be the thing that sort of stops that, that, that industry being so successful. So um, what I'm seeing so far is that as an industry, there's a lot of jostling for position, quite quite understandably, as new licenses are issued, uh, etc. Um, and there's a lot of concentration on revenues and sponsorships and uh, and, and everything else. And in my opinion, um, and obviously this is what we do, but in my opinion, harm prevention measures must grow at at least the same rate as the gambling industry itself or revenues themselves, because if they don't, then it will fast become an unsustainable framework. Uh, going back to your question, um, and that will start to attract public and political scrutiny. Uh, research, education and treatment are absolutely crucial, as is probably a public health approach. Uh, and there needs to be dedicated dollars to, to, to problem gambling. So for me, you know, it's a huge opportunity, but the risks are there that, that the opportunity will just blow up like it has in other countries unless 
unless harm prevention measures or, or responsible gambling is taken as seriously. Um, collaboration, I think, is crucial. So what's the minimum standard? You know, and I think that's for the operators, along with the regulators, along with the rest of the ecosystem to actually work out what's the minimum standard in a state that's, that's acceptable. And that can only happen with collaboration. That can only happen with working together. Um, and it needs to be consistency. It just shouldn't matter where you're gambling anywhere in the States, you know, be it in Tennessee or Nevada or New Jersey or Pennsylvania or Massachusetts. It shouldn't matter where you're gambling. There should be a consistency of, um, of, of provisions in place to be able to uh, ensure that problem gambling doesn't become an issue. Um, and unfortunately, at the moment, there are some inconsistencies because obviously in some states is zero dollars going towards this. In other states, it's, it's, it's really seen as a high priority. But in reality, it's leaving to some trailblazing operators like Entain with the foundation and, uh, and, and Kindred and others to just kind of lead the way. Uh, but I, I think, you know, there has to be a collaboration. There has to be a more consistent approach. Funny enough, I guess, these are also the ones coming out of Europe, maybe having a lot of experience in the field. Absolutely. So I think, you know, the likes of Entain, the likes of um, Kindred and others, you know, they've seen what's happened in other countries. They've seen what's been successful in other countries, in the UK and Scandinavia and across Europe, etc. And they've also seen what hasn't worked. And they've seen, you know, there has been, there is, there has been significant harms attached by the, the small percentage, but significant of number of people who have problems. So they've seen what works. And, you know, going back to what I said before, you know, the only way this will be the, the truly successful and sustainable gambling industry, biggest in the world but for the US, is if actually they take that, that, that 1% or that 2% seriously, stop the harm, stop people suffering gambling-related harm and stop the country suffering harm. Otherwise, the scrutiny will just ramp up. Uh, and before you know it, there will be a huge vice-like regulation, the same as there the has been across other European states, because, you know, one person who suffers harm is one too many. No, I agree. And and I, I think if we move forward now to question number three, you kind of touched based on it already, but uh, let me ask the question. Which US states regulators are actively engaging on the issue and how different is the approach to their European counterparts? So kind of started discussion around it, but if you can elaborate a bit more, that would be uh, helpful. No, I had, a, I had a conversation about this very point with our VP of Policy and Strategic Development this morning, Brandora Shawal, who I think is probably well known in, in, in America. Um, and I think the, the, the conversation we had is it's very difficult to compare the US with the UK because they're completely different markets for a simple reason that in the UK, you know, you've got one country with one regulator uh, and one set of rules. Um, and is it perfect? No. It's not perfect, but it should be relatively simple. What you've got in the US is obviously you're going to have 50 different states with, with potentially 50 different sets of rules, and it's a much more complex landscape. So for me, if the 50 states were different rules and everybody does a different thing, it's going to be chaos. So for me, again, it goes back to this sort of collaboration and consistency. Um, and at the moment, that's not there. The difference in engagement um, from the US state regulators is is marked, you know, from many states who are offering zero dollars to research, education and treatment or prevention, uh, right through to some real standard bearers. And I, I guess for us, the ones that, that spring out are Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey, you know, and, and, you know, they lead the way by having dedicated responsible gambling resource on the staff of the Gambling Commission in those states. They oversee projects and 
And in Massachusetts case, you know, they also commission research agendas with local universities, as do New Jersey. Um, and they're also looking at the prevalence of problem gambling in their states. You compare those three, I guess, to many of the others, and this isn't particularly calling anyone out, but but if you compare those three to to to, to many of the others who who are literally not seeing what's coming and offering zero dollars to to research education and treatment, that that's a worrying worrying situation. I think you know they need to get with the um, the game, if you like, and 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 start really investing in this. Could, could I ask you that just? Based on what you're saying with, with the differences between the states and how the, the, the whole works with different states, different rule sets and the whole complication around this, right? I mean, are you worried now that if these states are not taking it seriously at this stage, it's going to be much harder to deal with it, say, one year, two years down the line? Is it something that really needs to be dealt with now? Or is, is it a process that needs to be rectifying where there are issues over the next couple of years how, how how urgent is this issue to deal with in my in my view Raz, it, it's it's incredibly urgent uh because you know what what i hate to see and the reason that epic are, are concentrating so many of its efforts in the us at the moment are that when we first came over and started doing some work with the major leagues and with the yeah with the colleges etc you know we, we started talking about gambling problems and what is problem gambling and and and, and so on and the answers we were getting, oh yeah, you know, gambling problems. That's when a that's when an athlete, you know, influences the result of a game. You know, so they were really talking about match fixing. They were talking about betting integrity and and, and things like that. Whereas what we know is coming just because of the work we've done in Europe and, and the UK in particular, is that most people can gamble and stay in control, treat it as entertainment, and and, and not you know stay in control of time, money, cognition. But we know there is a small percentage, but significant number, and that'll be an even more significant number in the States, who will suffer harm, who will who will become addicted to gambling or, or, or become reliant upon it. My worry with the States, if it doesn't happen now, is that, you know, in two years, 18 months, two years, you will find people starting to commit crime or, or consider suicide or, or have relationship breakdowns or, or so on. And we know it's a small percentage of people, but, it, you know, as I said, it will happen. And my worry is if you wait those 18 months and two years before that happens, before any kind of investment into, into research, education and treatment happens, then it will be a really, really big thing to claw back. It's going to be a much, much bigger problem. Whereas now, if you do it now and the, you know, the whole gambling ecosystem works together collaboratively across adverts and offers and, um, and, and education and research and things like that, then, then they're getting ahead of the game. You know, you've got a blank canvas at the moment over there. But if they don't, if they don't get this right and, and, and invest dollars and, 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 and get this right, then, then unfortunately, you know, the harm will probably much, much worse than it needs to be. And, and, and that won't be beneficial for anyone, including operators, including states, and certainly not the public and the gamblers themselves. Very interesting one where you're saying that initially it's like, you know, some athlete taking money or whatever to throw a game or something like that. I mean, it brings me back to the days of Bruce Willis in The Last Boy Scout. I don't know if you saw that movie. Uh, this is like was that like twenty twenty something years ago. It's uh, it's quite interesting, yeah. Um, but scary, very scary. And I think uh, the whole sort of situation we're looking at, what you're saying here in the end, that you know it will lead to uh, to things like suicides or um, you know splitting up of families in in very nasty ways and whatever else. You know, this is what we want to avoid. I, I fully agree with you. Um, we're a little bit uh, short on time here, so I'll jump to the last question. Um, it's quite interesting. 
So, uh, Paul, in a few words, what is your vision of a responsible entertainment industry? And is this what we should all strive for? Yeah, no, sure. And uh, it's, it's a good question to finish on. And yeah, I mean, is this what we should all strive for? Absolutely. You know, I, I think um, for us, a responsible industry, one that has multi-accountability. So that would be across the regulator, the operator, the player themselves, uh, the media and the politicians. Um, I don't think you can put all the responsibility just on the individual. There needs to be the whole ecosystem working together. And I think the key word for my 20 minutes or whatever we've had here, it would be collaboration. This is only going to work if everybody works to get if everybody works together and for the same um, for the same course. And that includes treatment providers, researchers and preventers of harm, such as such as Epic as well. You know, um, it's also about operators firming up their customer base with those who are in control. So those people who spend within their means, enjoy gambling, um, without having an effect on the rest of their lives, like we've spoken about before. Let's make sure customer bases are in that 90 percent who aren't who aren't at risk, can, can take control, can keep in control of time, money and cognition. And and ultimately, the vision of a responsible industry is that, you know, no dollars uh, come from uh, problem gamblers or people who can't afford to lose them. No one under the age of 18 should be able to gamble on anything at all. Full stop. Uh, and no one should be able to gamble one one dollar, pound or minute, but they can't afford to lose. Yeah. You know what? I mean, maybe this is something we can discuss uh, at another podcast or another show. Um, but you know what? What I keep thinking back to is when I did my dissertation on, uh, you know, gambling in contemporary society back in uh, 2000 and, and uh, 2005, I think it was. I had to collect all my studies and bring them back from the US back to at that point when I was in Denmark, right? To be able to find research around gambling because there wasn't any. So a lot of the research I had to use were from the consumption of sports and how you consume sports being at a stadium on TV or whatever, right? But when I got that gambling research and I could get my hands on from Harvard Business Review or European, even I probably more like journalism uh, or journalistic um, publications out of the US. It was more about land-based, of course. But a lot of it was not about problem gambling. It was all about economic theory, about maximizing utility, which was about if you engage in gambling, kind of like you, you, you are a little bit stupid because you can never win against the house. So you're not maximizing, you're underutilizing your, your utility and no sane, rational person would ever do that, right? And, and now it's kind of changed a bit and say that there's more to it than, you know, it's not just about, you know, there's, there's the entertainment, the hedonic way, a symbolic way of consuming and all this together leads more into wanting to understand how problem gambling is arising here and, and how do we deal with it you know so the whole viewpoint around has has only as you said really started uh some years ago really to try and dig into it but i think there's a lot of learnings we can do from looking back as well i'll try and dig more into some of the research i've did in the past because um i never looked at it from the problem gambling back then it was all about trying to hold entertainment up against economic perception right which was completely different so uh, it, it's interesting to have your viewpoint here, Paul. Uh, and you obviously have a lot of expertise from uh, from Epic and, and the great work you guys have been doing. But I have to cut us off now. Um, I have my third guest in the studio now. Uh, but Paul, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for joining me today. And a quick cheer in a bit big of a for, for double espresso. But uh, cheers.
Welcome, Liv. Um, before we start the, the questions, um, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your work with problem gambling and player protection? Great. Thank you, Rasmus. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Liv Beesmans. I work for Kindred Group. Uh, Kindred's one of the global online gambling operators with operations across the world, primarily in Europe and the US. I'm the Deputy General Counsel for Kindred Group. Um, I was with Kindred in London for about eight years, uh, and then I moved to the US in September 2019 to take charge of our legal and compliance operations, including the setup of our player sustainability team. So um, from that point of view, I'm in charge of our, um, together obviously with our European experts, um, kind of setting up our responsible gambling approach in the US here and given that it's a very new venture and a very new market that's extremely exciting to be a part of i can imagine yeah um and uh london so that was uh, that was wimbledon that's correct that was wimbledon okay very close i'm in putney now so uh, not far from, ah, from lovely wimbledon. there you go um okay let's kick it off so uh, i would like to start with question number one uh, which is how do you measure the progress in Europe when it comes to tackling problem gambling, and how far are we from being a uh, yeah a sustainable entertainment industry? Yes. Um Obviously, Kindred's devoted to creating long-term sustainability by providing our customers with a safe and secure and, and most of all, entertaining uh, online experience. Um, I think it's fair to say overall, from a holistic industry point of view, there's still quite a bit of work to be done and there will always be work to be done. But I do think the industry has made important strides in recent years, not in the least in terms of having that mindset shift, which is extremely important. And there's now a clear understanding and awareness that consumer protection is the only way to achieve real sustainability in our sector. Um, Kindred is the first operator to set the ambition that 0% of the revenue from our platform is generated from harmful gambling by 2023. Um, and that's extremely ambitious and that's an absolute first in, in the industry. Um, and we do that obviously together with our in-house um, sustainability and responsible gambling team who are absolute experts in the field. Um, just to give you a bit more uh, background on that, um, Rasmus. Um, so we use a basic uh, or a widely accepted uh, scientific model. It's called the Problem Gambling Severity Index, PGSI, which is widely used in the industry to really measure the severity of problem gambling. And they basically classify customers um, or classify gamblers. And we use the same approach because we don't believe in a one size fits all. It's really every customer is different. And so we classify our customer database as well from no risk, low risk gamblers to pathological gamblers. And I think it's really important to underline that 85% of our revenue comes from the no risk to low risk gamblers. So the majority of our customers do not have an issue with the service and they can play online and they, they enjoy uh, the products and the services that we offer. We are now focused on that high risk category, high risk gamblers and the medium risk gamblers, the people who have been detected. They, they've been flagged by our systems, they've been flagged by our agents, and we've had a contact with them about responsible gambling before um, the compulsive and high-risk customers those are the categories that we're targeting and those are the customers or the revenues coming from those customers we want to push to zero percent by 2023 so very ambitious and you said you said zero percent zero percent exactly or Sounds as close good. to zero percent as we can get so very ambitious an absolute first in the industry we really hope that other operators and the industry globally will follow suit with that ambition 
Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, that sounds great if you can achieve that. I must say, very, very impressed. Um, but okay, let's uh, jump to uh, question number two. And I would like to ask you, uh, what measures would you like to see in place across the regulated US states to reduce the risk of harm to players? And at the same time, ensure uh, that a sustainable framework is um, created? Yeah. Long question. If I... If I can quickly go back um, to, sorry, to the previous question, Rasmus, I don't know if that's possible, yeah. but I really want yeah, to yeah, um, yeah, talk a bit about the measurements because um, I, I, I forgot that part in the, in, in the answer. So how do we measure progress of our efforts in responsible gambling? So we decided to openly report the share of revenue that we derive from high-risk customers. And we shared this figure together with the measurement of the efficiency of the tools that we offer to our customers for the first time in February this year. So again, quite revolutionary in this in the industry. Um, and the reason for doing this is that we want to understand how much of our revenue is coming from customers that have experienced potential harm, but also to have a baseline to reduce this proportion of revenue going forward. And we need to be able to measure and benchmark against the ambitions that we've set ourselves. So we will continue to do this. We will continue to share these milestones on our journey towards the ambition that we've set ourselves in 2023. And by providing these figures, we really want to increase knowledge and transparency about sustainability, but more importantly, we want to contribute to a fact-based dialogue about harm from gambling with the decision makers, the regulators, and all the, the stakeholders, all the actors in the field. So we'll continue to update these figures. They're on our website, they're publicly available, um, but we really want to show um, an example to the wider industry that we have a wealth of data as online operators. We all sit on a massive database. Everything's online. Everything's recorded, traceable, visible. And we should really use this to the benefit of ultimately the customer by creating a set of rules that works for them. Okay. Oh, it's very interesting. I mean, it sounds like you and I could keep discussing this for uh, for much longer. But I would love to also because Kintra is, 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 is fairly active now in the US as well. So it would be very interesting to look at how a new market, a uh, very big market, is is looking at, at the issues we've been dealing with uh, for the last or well, quite a few years now in, 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 in Europe. Um, so I would like to ask you, uh, what measures would you like to see in place across the regulated US states to reduce the risk of harm to players and at the same time, ensure that a sustainable framework is created? Absolutely. I think if we go back to the second part of the question, which is a sustainable framework, it's important to underline that the success of any regulated market starts and stops with the ability to move customers into the legal sphere of gambling. Um, and as a regulator, you can only ensure that all customers are actually adequately protected and monitored by operators when you know who those operators are. So that movement of channelization is what we call it in the industry that's quite a challenge and there's been many examples globally of failed regulations of of countries that haven't managed to do that properly um and while the us sports betting market and i gaming market is relatively new us customers have been gambling online for years make no mistake um so that that initial movement in any exercise in any regulation in any opening of a state that needs to be the baseline that you're working against so, so i having... assume you're referring to offshore offshore absolutely right absolutely and and on that offshore point i wanted to raise um a customer survey that was done in 2020 by the aga the american gaming association which indicated that 42 percent of american sports betters still play online 55% of those bettors 
believe they're actually playing legally. And 84% of those bettors were surprised to learn that they're Whoa. actually playing with a legal operator. So there's a huge perception gap in the US amongst customers. And wow. this really needs to be addressed through awareness by ourselves, by operators, by regulators, but also by enforcement. Wow, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Just and, and to go back, um, Rasmus, to the measures in place across the US, right? So what do yeah. we want to see in the US coming from Europe, bringing that expertise um, to the US? What do we want to see? Um, there's four things that we want to see. A, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but a clear set of rules. The US is obviously a patchwork of state regulations, very similar to the fragmentation that we've seen in Europe. So a basic uniform set of rules across state boundaries is going to benefit the customer because it's clear what the rules are. It's going to be scalable for operators and regulators yeah. can also start comparing results from state to state. So it's yeah. it's a win win for everyone to have clear set of rules or at least some commonality across states. Um, is, second, is that achievable? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we already see it to a certain extent in the US. Um, you know, if you look across states, they all have a national or statewide uh, self-exclusion register. That's a commonality across the states. They all impose a number of self-control tools, deposit limits, self-exclusion, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, so there is already a good baseline to start from, but I think we can definitely increase that in the US. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> one thing I was especially talking to Paul about was the urgency of, of dealing with the issues in the US that, that will be a problem you know, later on, if not dealt with now, mm -hmm. and the inconsistency between some of the, the state regulations, right? But uh, partly what I wanted to ask you in the in, in the next question. So let, let me jump to the next question. We can always go back in the end and, and, and you can sum up if there's a few things you, you would like to address. Um, but my, my question number three that I've been asking to, to the Martin and, and Paul as well is, um, which US state regulators are actively engaging on the issue and how different is this approach to their European counterparts? Yeah, I think the majority of the US regulators that we are working with are looking at RG as a vital part of their regulatory efforts. I wouldn't say that one stands out. It's on all of their agenda. So there is at least you know, very healthy interest that we need to look into this and it needs to be part of that regulated framework. Um, we strongly believe in an approach that is fact-based and behavioral yeah. let we need to look at what the customer is actually doing and one thing that we've learned from europe is that we see a standard limit that applies to the entire customer database there's no scientific support that this will actually tackle problem gambling and the question that we should be asking ourselves is what is this individual customer actually doing on our platform and how can we support him considering his financial means and his support system so that fact-based decision making has been lacking in Europe for many years. We see a change now when there's yeah. a problem that actually needs to be solved. We see a stronger focus on affordability checks, source of income checks. It's primarily driven also obviously by AML legislation, but it's also from a, a responsible gambling point of view. We're very much in favor of that. Knowing when your customer actually enters your website for the first time, knowing from day one what the customer can spend, what is healthy for him to spend within his budget is a great way to avoid any issues down the line. However, that should not mean that a blanket limit that applies to every single customer is going to work. That is going to be counterproductive. It's going to push customers away to the illegal offer. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So a uh, reason is because in my my intro as well, I I pointed out that I always enjoyed um, I would say responsible entertainment around sports betting myself and whether I mm -hmm. spend 
you know, a few hundred pounds uh, on one bet down to 10 pounds on one bet, or I deposit X amount, withdraw X amount. It's about a matter of understanding what your means are to keep, you know, uh, sports betting or whatever gambling means you're, you're using, right? But yeah. I, I fully agree with you because for some people, it's just going to be not interesting anymore uh, in a form of entertainment. And the whole industry could end up going to the offshore, to the black market instead. And it's just going to create a whole bunch of different issues we need, we need to yeah. deal with. So you have to be very smart around this. Absolutely. Sorry for interrupting. No, no worries. And I think... I mean, to be able to get there, you need to know what you're actually dealing with and what you're talking about. And one of the things that we've heard in Europe so many times, we don't have data. We don't have research. Now is the time because research takes time. But again, we sit on a wealth of data. Every single online operator has a huge database that they can use for academic and research purposes um, that they can, you know, use as, you know, for sample testing. Um, so that focus on research, on bringing the facts to the table and incorporating those facts into your regulatory efforts. I think that's probably one of the huge lessons that the US should take from Europe because we were way too late in Europe with incorporating that into policymaking. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> I mean, I um, I spent my dissertation back at university um, back in 2005. I interviewed 20 sports bettors about their, you know, motivations for, you know, uh, going to the uh, local store to get a coupon with, with three, four games on it or going online with the early days of even Unibet or Kint, uh, well, Unibet Kindred or Centerbet or whatever it was in Scandinavia. A um, lot of data, a lot of lot of interesting viewpoints, and all this, and um, yeah, it's just things things are changing, and um, we need to we need to be smart where we are, and if we ever want to have a responsible and sustainable industry, certainly the work that that you guys are doing and insane on on here today as well is an epic, um, uh, is is absolutely key. So no, I I I appreciate you sharing your your views with us here. Um, let let me, we we're getting. A, Quickly, a bit short on time here, so let me jump to the to the, to the last question, which is quite wide. So you can uh, you can go in a few different directions. Um, if uh, in a few words um, you were to sort of talk about your or describe your vision of a responsible entertainment industry, um, and is this is this sort of this word this sort of responsible entertainment industry is that something we should all strive for? Is is this where we we wanna we wanna head we wanna end up? I think absolutely. If this industry is going to embrace its customers and it's going to be around for a long time, it really should be seen as a form of entertainment that can be enjoyed responsibly by the majority of customers. I think if if I would describe it in, in a sentence, we should all strive to be an industry that has the customer's well-being at the center of everything we do, relies on science and facts as a primary guidance, and acts as a leader and takes its responsibility in creating that safe and secure environment for our customers. I think those three elements really describe what we as an industry have to do to be able to become sustainable and future-proof. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 again, yeah, makes, makes perfect sense. I mean, we, we, we have a, a minute more. So if you, if, if there's a couple of things you, you, you would like to just uh, end this discussion with. Yeah. I think maybe in relation to the second question, um, one of the things that we've seen in Europe are these really innovative 
out of the box initiatives. We, you know, we we have all these gam, you know, the the the, the, the filter apps. Uh, we the, the gam bands. The there's there's really cool initiatives that have been set up in the US that are now looking for their way in uh, in, in in Europe and that are now looking for the way into the US and embracing that innovation, which again is has been around, is, is relatively new in Europe in an industry that has been around for years. It's now new in the US in an industry that's still relatively new. So there's huge potential of, 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 of these kind of digital solutions um, that really help the customer in, in managing their behavior and, and staying within their limits and staying in control. And I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll see some really interesting collaborations in the US uh, with operators, with those um, technology digital solutions and you know hopefully within the regulatory framework that exists we can make that work because I do think that um, there's there's a, a huge potential in that for the US customer yeah absolutely and I mean also what what you touch base on and I know uh, Martin and, and, and Paul has uh, you know or they did the same is, is gambling is here to stay in whatever shape or form right so at least we can make it as responsible and strong as possible around, um, you know, understanding there are inherent issues um, with, 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 with some ways people consume gambling and we need to deal with that. The better we do that and the more the governments, um, you know, are working with us to do this, the better this will be. And we avoid a bunch of other issues coming from whatever offshore black markets and other ways of, of, of being uh, opportunities for, for people uh, to engage with, right? So. I really appreciate what you shared with us, uh, Liv, here today. Very exciting, very, very good. And um, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to sort of, um, you know, share this with, with, with everyone out there. So um, Absolutely. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah, likewise. Appreciate you joining today. And uh, just the last, uh, it is called the Double Espresso Show. So uh, just a quick cheer in, in coffee. Cheers. Um, today we had... Uh, Three very good guests in the studio talking about safer gambling, problem gambling and player protection in Europe and also looking at the US. Very interesting discussions. And I would like to thanks, uh, say a big thank you to uh, Liv, uh, Martin and Paul for taking part. And to sum up some of the things we discussed, I mean, we we're looking at how things uh, are being worked on in the European region to make sure that we can start dealing with problem gambling and as Kendra said for instance this should be a zero percent issue on their end by 2023 um, and Tain had some great perspectives on what they're doing uh, and Epic is obviously um, doing a lot of work to educate um, not just European operators but also into the US so very exciting um, what 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 is being done around problem gambling, but also very necessary because we are certainly seeing uh, it's not great when people are facing uh, life threatening or you know threat, threats to the family about um, the situation they're in because of spending too much money on gambling that in a way they can't control themselves. So um, according to all our our, our, our um, guest today, it's 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 kind of an urgent matter to deal with it uh, in the U.S. as well, so we don't get too far in the process of a great revenue generating industry that forgets a bit about problem gambling being a, uh, an issue, and in 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 this way, it could be uh, as it's been in the you know in Europe that is suddenly coming back around and biting us in a nice way to say it in the ass. So I think when. I get the feedback from from all you listeners and viewers out there. I would say that we can easily pick this up again because there's many more things and key topics and issues we can discuss 
around this very topic because it's so wide and it's so important for the industry to get everything right, Europe, US, even into other regions in the world uh, to create this uh, responsible entertainment industry, which I think we're all striving for, especially um, as, as, as I could understand from, from my guest in the studio today. So again, thanks to Liv, Paul and Martin. And um, thanks for all you viewers and, 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 and listeners for the Double Espresso Show, episode number two.